Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Hey, um, if you don't know me, my name is Brandon, and I, I know we were singing together, but I just want to say thank you. Thanks for coming. We're excited, and uh, we're actually, as a church family, uh, new community, we call it NUCO. We are in a season right now we're calling 15 Days of Prayer. Last week, we gave out these, and uh, these are still around out in the lobby. Um, and um, sorry, I've got, a, I've got an awesome little lookalike that's right here. Hey, buddy. Um, so we've got uh, these around, and it's just what this is, is just a resource guide. If you want to kickstart your prayer life or just find some ways, it's got different models, a way to pray. Uh, and, uh, and so these are something we want to give to you. It doesn't cost anything. You can take it home. Uh, you can use it however you'd like. And so uh, it's, it's been super uh, resourceful to us. And one of my favorite things in this season, what we've been doing is we've been doing a Zoom prayer time in the mornings at 8 a.m., and it's only 30 minutes long. In fact, we, we try to finish right at 825 just to make sure and honor people's time. Um, but it's really sweet we've been able to do that. And, uh, and actually, if uh, Michael, if you wouldn't mind throwing that up there. What, one of the things I love, uh, we, it's just an opportunity. We know not everyone can be there. We know some of you are already in work. But we've been able to, to meet. In fact, on last Monday, it was our first day doing it. We had almost 30 people on the prayer call. Isn't that awesome? Uh, yeah, it was really fun. And um, I tell you what, if you have never done anything like that, uh, we encourage you, jump on one, even just one. We're going to be doing it all this next week, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. on Zoom. And you can go on our website and just click. There's a link right there to, to jump on board. Uh, but I tell you, one of my favorite moments from this week from that was one day this week we were praying, and we just began praying over people in our lives who were far from God or disconnected from God for, for many different reasons, uh, but just people we wanted to be praying for. And just we knew they weren't experiencing all God had for them. Them. They weren't experiencing that full life, and so we, we wanted to pray for them. So what happened is people who were on the call began typing in the chat on Zoom just the first names of people, just uh, you know people in their lives, and it was beautiful as we were praying, and just names after names, I mean dozens of names just scrolled up as we were praying, and man, my heart was just so moved at that uh, because you know God loves those, those people so much. Not only did he send Jesus, but he sent someone in Nuco into their life so that that day we could pray for them. Isn't that crazy to think about? And uh, who knows? You just never know what God can do with stuff like that. And, but here's what I do know. I know that, that there are people, there are ones in your life who, are, who are, need, need someone praying over their life, who, who need to be prayed for. And, and I would love for you to take out that connection card right now or, or look it up on your phone, uh, that QR code, or it, you'll have a minute to see it later. But you can literally stop, stop listening to what I'm saying and just put a name on there. Uh, I, I would love for you to do that because uh, I just believe there are hundreds of names we could be praying for this next week. And uh, I saved the chat from that one Zoom call. So I've already got about 40 names. I'd love for us to build a, a list of names we're praying for. What could God do with a new community that was praying over dozens, maybe even over 100 names? I mean, who knows what God could do with that, right? Is that good? If that's good, say bueno. Bueno. So fill out those connection cards. You can leave them in the chair. You can leave them on the floor. We, I mean, we sweep the whole thing. But there are boxes outside if you don't want to do that. But, um, you know, it is a theater, so we kind of know the rules. But 
Hey, um, so that's my little 15 days of prayer. Just hope, our hope for you is it just an opportunity for you to re-engage with God in a fresh way. And that's what we're doing. In fact, our teaching series kind of kicked off that way too. Uh, we're in week two of a teaching series that we've been doing. And it's based off this verse uh, found in a historical document about these pillars or these priorities that were kind of set in place with the very first Jesus followers, right after his resurrection, and these things that happened in their life, these kind of pillars that formed in their community that they all devoted themselves to for the long haul. And what was crazy was it not only changed their community, but it began to welcome other people and began to spread through other communities. And what happened was what we call Christianity was based off of these pillars written and found in this historical document and, and it really created and, and was kind of the birthing place or the, the foundational stones for the greatest movement that has ever touched our world. Crazy. And amazingly, it's just incredible. We have those written down. They're written down for us. We talked about it last week in a, in a two-part historical document that is written by a doctor named Luke. Now, Luke was a, he was meticulous in verifying and clarifying everything that happened in the life of Jesus. He interviewed eyewitnesses. He uh, made sure to visit places. He actually pins himself down to days and times, exact time frames, and in such a way that anyone who would ever read what he wrote, would, he's basically just inviting you to say, hey, fact check me. This is when this happened. This is who it happened to. They're even still alive. You can check it out. And so he writes this two-part historical document to, to kind of uh, capture this. The first part is about the life of Jesus, including details of his death and his resurrection. And then after that, he writes a second part of his, and we call it Acts. And uh, if you've ever heard anybody talk about the book of Acts in the Bible or something like that, so it's called Acts. And in Acts, he writes about the first 30 years of the first church, the very first Jesus followers ever. And what happened? I mean, it was incredible. It was, it was miraculous. And, uh, and in that, he takes a minute to say, hey, he, these were the things. These were the pillars. These were the priorities they were devoted to. And we just thought, as we're building a new community ourselves, just like they were, as we are doing that, it's worth our time and attention to lean into those. So that's what this whole series is based off. These, these four, it's, it's, we're actually going to talk about five different pillars, but this first verse just kind of highlights these four, and so we're going to look at them. Last week, we talked about prayer, but I'm going to ask the guys to put it up again, uh, and uh, we're going to look at this verse in Acts chapter 2. It says that the people, they devoted themselves, and here I want you to say this with me loud and proud through your mask, they devoted themselves to the Bible. What? I think, I don't know if that was a Freudian slip on my part or if that, I was just saying what you were thinking. But anyways, we'll, we'll, they devoted themselves to whatever. You know, I think I'm glad you brought up the Bible, though, because that's really what I want to talk about uh, today. And so glad you're here and glad we're going to dive into that. And I think the Bible is so important to talk about because here's what I know about it, and I'm sure you probably do too, is that the Bible is unsettling for a lot of people right now right? Don't you know it? And, and people in your life, people in my life, maybe even you, maybe for you, the Bible is, uh, you know, it's just overwhelming. I mean, where do you even start with this thing? Where do you start reading? Where do you dive in? It's, it's confusing. And, and so you just kind of keep your distance. Uh, and I, can, I totally get that. Uh, maybe for you, uh, it, you wouldn't go as far as saying that the Bible is bad, but it's just that, you know, 
is you just don't necessarily see the point. Like, is it even relevant? It's just his, history. It's just old. I mean, does it even speak to, would it speak to my life? And so for you, again, it's not that you're, you don't write it off, but you don't, like, you're not two feet in. And I get that, totally. Um, maybe for you, um, you would even say that maybe, like me, you grew up in a household where the Bible settle, uh, says it, that settles it, right? The Bible says it, that settles it. And just whatever questions you have, it doesn't matter. Whatever the Bible says, that's what happens. But then you went off to college and you realized that, well, you know, the Bible didn't actually settle it all the time. And so you came home and you told your mom or you told your dad or you told your grandfather and you told your uncle or your, or your aunt. And, and they said, no, no, you can't ask those questions. No, no, you, you can't think that way. The Bible says it, that settles it. And, and, you know, you kept asking these fact-based questions and the church or Christians around you just kept giving you faith-based answers. And just for you, if you're honest, that just didn't settle it. You know, if that's you, I totally get it. And I am so glad you're in the room today. Maybe you'd even go further. Maybe you don't talk about this, but, you know, somebody brought you to church today and they said they'd buy your lunch. And you're like, awesome, I'm in. But you would say that really you're skeptical about the Bible, that you are, uh, you, you've seen how it's been abused or it's been used to abuse someone else. And so for you, you would even say, you know what, I'm just going to keep my distance. You know, we can talk about God and we can, you know, have these conversations, but I, I just, it's nice, but I'm, I'm keeping my distance. I'm very skeptical of that. I will be honest, if that's you, I am so glad you're in the room. And if that's you, you are not alone. In fact, that idea about the Bible is so prevalent right now. It's actually common, and it's growing faster than any other view about the Bible in our culture. And um, I have a personal conviction that I think Christians ought to know the fact-based answers to fact-based questions. And I think it's really important, especially when it comes to the Bible. Or maybe you're on the whole other side of the spectrum. And for you, you, you've grown up and, and you've, you, you love the Bible. You cherish it, man. When you read it and open it up, it speaks to you. It, it, it gives you life. It is breath, everyday breath to you. And, and for you, it's so powerful. But you have had conversations with people and people that you love who don't have that view. And, and it's kind of created a little bit of a gap or it's kind of you know a fracture. And you don't know how to bring it up. Maybe they showed you a YouTube video that debunked the Bible or its validity or how it seems to be not, not what it really is. And you know, it was a three-minute video, and now you don't even know how to bring it up again. And, and, and you're just wondering, you know, what do I do? How, how, how do I make the Bible meaningful again? Not just for me, but for someone else. I truly believe that all those people that I just described, you're all in the room or you're near this room or you're in the lives of people who are in your room. Am I right? That's just who we run into. And I think it's so vital that we have conversations as a people about this, this thing, the Bible, because it's so valuable. And if I can be honest, what I would love to do today, I would love to just speak to the heart issues that this, this word can do. I would love to speak. This is my Bible. I've had it for a long time. I would love to speak to what this could do in your life, how it can transform you, how it, it really can shape you, how it can be a guiding light, not just for the long term of your life, but in the day-to-day, every day when you don't know how to move forward. That's what I want to speak to, but I feel like we can't talk about that if we're not going to address some of the other questions and some of the other issues that have been raised that are being raised and those in our lives that we love so dearly. And so I want to make sure that today, while we're going to talk about this, if I just talked about the heart, the heart things, I feel like you might walk away and maybe you're entertained, but you're still not willing to open it. 
And that would be a loss. I mean, really, you, you might be entertained today, but you might not be willing to trust this. And I think that's really the question at the bottom line. Can you trust the Bible? And why should you even take it seriously anyway? That's what I hope we can talk about today. And I believe that the way we do that and where I can start us in this conversation goes back to what you brought up earlier, or it might have been me, I can't remember, but it was the apostles' teaching. You guys remember that? Good? Great. So we're going to go back to that. And if you're already curious and you're asking the question, what was the apostles' teaching? That is a great question to ask. Man, brilliant, right from the start. So here it is. Here's what the apostles' teaching was. The apostles' teaching is what is found in the eyewitness accounts of Matthew and John. They were some of Jesus' closest followers, and they wrote down, they were there from the very beginning, the very first times Jesus ever uh, spoke publicly, the very first miracles he did, they validated all those things, and they wrote them down. Matthew and John, they were there. They were there on the day that a Roman, a Roman soldier uh, stuck Jesus in the side with a spear to confirm his death as he hung on a cross. They were also there the days that Jesus was resurrected, and they saw him, and they ate with him, and they touched his scars, and then they wrote about the day that Jesus commissioned the church to go and spread this news to the whole world. That was part of the apostles' teaching. But it's even more than that. The, the, the apostles' teaching includes what Peter talked about in his eyewitness account, which was written down by a man named Mark, who traveled with some of Jesus' closest followers for a long time. And so there was Peter's thing, but then also Peter and John, I mentioned John earlier, Peter and John, they both wrote letters because what happened is as these eyewitness accounts were being told, people began following Jesus from communities outside of Jerusalem. And so they began writing letters to say, hey, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. These are the things you should be devoted to. And so Peter began writing those. John began writing those. And that's part of the apostles' teaching. But then the other thing as part of the apostles' teaching is there's letters from Jesus' brother named James. Now, think about that for just a minute with me. What would it take you to convince you that your brother was the son of God? Can you just think about that? I, I love asking that question every time I bring up James because I have two brothers, and it would take a lot for me. And what's crazy is with James, you, you can see it. Go read it. I promise you. He did not believe that Jesus was when he, who he was when he was teaching. He did not believe the miracles. He did not believe the popularity. He didn't believe in the fame. He did not care. He knew Jesus wasn't who he said it was until the resurrection. And then James James, after that moment, said, this man is my God and my Lord. And he stood by that testimony so much so that it cost him his life. He was beheaded because he would not let go of that claim. It's part of the apostles' teaching. Then there's the apostle Paul. Now, Paul's really interesting because Paul... You know, no one in, in scholarly, like whether you're a secular scholar or a, a religious scholar or a Christian scholar, nobody doubts the authenticity and the historicity of Paul, that he was this fire-breathing Pharisee who was out to kill the church, and he literally did that. He, was, he had orders from the Jewish uh, leadership that he could go and kill this sect, these, these, these first Jesus followers. But something happened to him, and his life turned completely around to, be, to where he became one of the greatest leaders in this early movement of following Jesus. In fact, when you look at the apostles' teaching and what we have, he wrote over half of it 
And you ask, well, how did that happen? What caused the change? And you know what he said, you can read his own words, that he said that it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his encounter with the raised son of God that changed his life. And that is the testimony that got him beaten. That's the testimony that got him stoned. It's the testimony that got him thrown in prison where he wrote and documented the things that he had seen and the things that he had learned. And he wrote those things and eventually Paul, he even lost his life. Are you still with me? Good? Because really the apostles' teaching, it is even more than that. See, one of the things that Jesus, his teachings were really, they weren't easy at first to get a hold of. And he talked like he had an authority above just like being inspired or divine. In fact, the crazy thing about Jesus, it wasn't that he claimed that he was inspired. It wasn't that he claimed that he was this moral teacher. He claimed that he was God and that his words were equal to the words of God. And said he said this in John chapter 12. He said, I don't speak on my own authority, but the father who has sent me commanded me what to say and how I say it. And I know his commandments lead to eternal life and it continues. And so that's what I say. And he kept making these claims. And what he said is that I'm here to show you the way that God intended life to be. He called it the kingdom of heaven. This is the way you were created to live. This is the full life you were made to experience. And he taught that there was a fullness of life you could have if, of, of knowing God, walking with God every day. It was a life full of freedom, full of purpose, full of significance and of promise. This was the message that really people heard Jesus and they thought he was crazy. This was the message that actually drove uh, the religious leaders of the day to put Jesus on a cross and crucify him to prove that he wasn't who he said he was until three days later when he rose from the dead and nobody knew how to back down from someone who had raised, been raised from the dead. You still with me? Good, because it is even more than that y'all. This is so good. So the apostles teaching, one of the things they learned is when after Jesus rose from the dead and he said, hey, you guys caught some fish today. I'd like it blackened and broiled. It's in there. You should look it up. And so he ate with them and they were still confused. I mean, I get it. They're grown men. They're grown women. They're looking at a man that just died three days ago and they're walking with him 40 days, over 12 encounters, over 500 eyewitnesses had this moment with Jesus and they still didn't get it. But man, Jesus is so compassionate towards people like you and people like me. And so Jesus sat down and what he did is he took them. And here's how we know Luke back to that meticulous, you know, the, the thorough doctor who wrote these things down. This is what Luke says is that after the resurrection, Jesus took all the apostles through the writings of Moses here, throw it up. Yeah. Through the writings of Moses and through all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And these were people who knew these ancient scriptures. They were ancient, man, some of them thousands of years old. We call it the Old Testament, but it really was these Hebrew scriptures that they held in high regard. Actually, everyone did. The Romans held these in high regard because there was no other writing so old, so authenticated by all the people of that time. They held them as this high thing. And so they would see these things and, and, and Jesus would talk about it. And what Jesus said is he didn't just say, well, this is what you already know. He gave them a fresh lens through which to read these ancient scriptures. And so Jesus took the Old Testament seriously. And so these, 
apostles, they began to take the Old Testament seriously and read it like Jesus taught them to read it. And they began to teach others. And so the early Christians took these uh, old ancient scriptures seriously. And so then they said, we've got to have these. We've got to have these. And they began circulating them around. Good. Are you still with me? Because it's even better than that, y'all. And I know some of you at this point may be saying, well, Brandon, aren't you just describing the Bible? No way. It is so much better than that. I'm not describing to you the Bible. I'm describing to you what's in the Bible. I'm describing to you something that the the, uh, earliest Christians were devoted to through persecution, through pandemics. There were two of them in the first two centuries of the church, but they were sticking by these teachings from the apostles. I'm describing to you the things that they stood on for the long haul, the good days, the bad days, the things that they said, we can't let go of this. We cannot. It's too valuable. The things that were preserved and protected, they were kept away from false documents, and later they would be collected so that they could be held because they took them seriously. And so why should you take them seriously? Because it's gold in the vault, baby. You know, I I thought I might get some more amens to that, but (laughs) it's okay. It's all right. Gold in the vault. Here's what I mean. Do you put gold in a vault because it's valuable or do you put it there to make it valuable? You put gold in a vault because it already has value. And these documents that document the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the true events that happened, these documents that document the things that Jesus said to us, the teachings that he gave that weren't just inspired, but that brought fresh a new way of life. These documents that document an early church and what could happen if a people truly devoted themselves to the ways and the teaching of Jesus, if they truly lived filled with his power, filled with his spirit. These documents that document a Jesus that was prophesied for years and years, thousands and hundreds of years before. Do you realize that Jesus, he fulfills 48 Old Testament prophecies? Man, I thought gold was in the vault. And then I thought, the 48? Okay. So here's the statistical reality of one person in all of humanity fulfilling 48 Old Testament prophecies. Let's say I take you to Texas, and we go to Texas, and I cover the entire state with quarters two feet deep. And then I take this one out, but I blindfold you first. And I take this quarter out, and I put it and hide it in the stack. And I say, you have one chance to pick my quarter. That is the statistical odds of one person in all of humanity fulfilling 48 Old Testament prophecies from over 1,600 years ago, written in a book that was written on 12 continents in three different languages by people of all different walks of life. Come on. Yeah, that's it. I love it. You can say that. I know there's a mask there, but, you know, I'll just amen myself. And here's the reality, is that sometimes we become too familiar with the Bible, that we forget what's in it. And we somehow think that this has no 
importance or relevance, not just in my life. Man, these are the words of God. The words of God. And Jesus says, Jesus says that people cannot live on bread alone, but on every word from the mouth of God. Because Jesus said that this was so much more than just information. It wasn't informational. These words are relational. That this is how you know who God is. This is how you understand his heart and his character and his promises that never fail. This is where you get that. This is where you understand that he's a God who is for you. He's not against you. That God has a life. He's not looking for you to give him something. He doesn't want anything from you. He wants something for you. And you don't have to get God's attention. He's already got his eye on you. That you can learn that Jesus is this, is this God made flesh. He's God with us. He is God who came. He is the son of God who fulfilled every promise that the words of God spoke for years. These, this is who Jesus is. He's the savior of the world. He is the Messiah. He is the one who would have victory over anything that could chain you. He is the one who could have authority over everything that would ever speak against you or come against you. That's who Jesus is. These are his words. They're not just informational. They are relational. You have a chance to know him but i'll tell you it's even more than that y'all these words are not just informational they are transformational there is power in these words to renew your mind it doesn't matter if you've been living in habits for 30 years by one word of the lord your life can be changed it doesn't matter if you've been living by a lie all your life if there's been generations of your family maybe your family's like me and there's been three generations of unfaithfulness in a marriage but because of the word of the lord i can stand here today and say that god can break a curse like that on your family it's his word that does these things. Y'all ready though? It's even more than that. It's even more. Because these words are valuable. These words are so precious. And Jesus taught the disciples to take them seriously. And we can take them seriously because he did. And honestly, if you don't hear anything else today, here's just what I want you to know, is that what has been written is worth your attention. Even if you've never read it, or you say, well, how do I know if that's true? You don't read something because you know it's true. You read something to find out if it is true. So just read it. What is written is worth your attention. And what is written is worth your daily consumption. I want to invite you, consider what could happen if you let this word feed you. And what's really interesting about the apostles' teaching is that the thing it teaches us the most is that what is written is worth all of your devotion. It's worth it all. Whatever you have to sacrifice, whatever you have to give, whatever you have to do, it's worth your devotion. So what could happen 
if you lived fully devoted to these words this year. I'm going to let you think about that, and more than think about it, I just want you to allow God to speak to you here and now about what he would want to do in your life through his words. And as you do that, we're going to share a quick story of someone from our community who encountered the word of God and how it changed his life. I want to share with you for a few minutes this morning about a man that doesn't exist anymore, a man that has been changed and transformed by the blood of Jesus. For once in my life, I spent a season in prison. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic household. I grew up with at least three generations of alcoholics and um, did not have a family life that was very good. Um, I always walked, felt like I was walking on pins and needles in my family, uh, and it created a lot of issues for me. I became a drug addict, um, and I spent several years uh, that I was high all the time, every day, all day. But God in His faithfulness brought me to a time when uh, I started searching for something more in life, something more than what I had experienced. And I had an unfortunate experience where I overdosed on some drugs. And uh, as I was very near death, I had an experience with Jesus Christ in which he came to me and said that because somebody had prayed for me that he wanted to give me a chance to redeem my life. Um, I didn't understand all of what that meant at that moment because I had no idea there was a God. Never been in church, never been around church. Um, so that precipitated more of a quest on my part to find out what was going on and what there was the truth of life. It led me to a phone booth in North, Troutman, North Carolina. Somebody had left a gospel track there. I picked up the gospel track, didn't read it at the time. I made my phone call, but later on that day, I read that gospel track, and there was a sinner's prayer at the end of that gospel track, which I prayed, uh, and that began my change and transformation in my life. Probably the most important thing I did as a young Christian was spend time in the Word. I started having a conscience that was developed by, by being a Christian to start telling the truth and not to steal and, and try to bend the rules in my favor, but to live with the integrity that God had called me to. Um, another big thing that changed for me was I'd done so many drugs, I'd done so many amphetamines and psychedelics that um, my synapses and my uh, communications uh, were so bad I couldn't I couldn't focus or think a lot of times um, and you know got a hold of Romans 12 too that says that renew your mind by the Word of God and I took that I took that quite literally it really changed me changed who I was gave me the ability to have a cognitive ability to think to process things uh, and really restored my mental capacities. The consistency of being in the Word and learning who God was and having Him reveal His nature to me from the, 
reading and studying His Word has been instrumental in changing my life and who I was and who I am. powerful. It's powerful. And again, I just want to invite you to consider what can God do with uh, your devotion to his words. We're just going to take a minute to pray together, but I just want to remind you something about these words. These words, Jesus said, are living and active. They're willing to speak to your deepest places of longing your deepest places of pain, they can go there. They can speak to a nation who's overwhelmed with a pandemic and overwhelmed in our, in our culture. They can speak to a people who are just so broken in, in their, their mentality right now. They're so isolated. They're so lost. They're so alone. These words can come and speak life, even to places that seem dead. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in these words. Would you just pray with me for a minute? I just want to pray with you. God, I thank you so much for these words. We thank you that you have protect, protected and preserved these words, that we could experience them God, that we didn't have to just hear them from hearsay, but we could read, Jesus, your teachings, your life. God, we could read the gospels like they were written by men who are on the line for their lives, and this was their testimony. Thank you that we have that preserved for us. But thank you that it's so much more than just informational. But thank you that through these words, God, you want to bring life to us. God, you want to bring life to us as an individual, but God, you want to speak life to us as a community. God, not just inside these walls, but Lord, to this generation, to this community around us, Lord, to this city, you want to redeem and restore. God, in this, in these promises, is the restoration that our city needs. And we thank you, Jesus, that you saved these words for us. We thank you that you proved their worth. And we can't trust them. Just going to invite you. We've, as we're still in prayer, we've been, we as a church wanted to take this first year together and just spend it in the word. Spend it reading every day. We have a one-year reading plan. And it's, it's right there. I mean, whether you read the whole thing with us, there's Old Testament, New Testament, Proverbs, and Psalms. There's something, a little bit of everything every day, but if you just want to start with the New Testament, just start with the Gospels. You, you don't have to catch up. Just start today. There's a plan online. There's, there's paper copies out there. Start today, but begin to get these words into you. I believe God wants to change your life this year, and he wants to do it through his words. And so, Lord, I just pray that for each person here, God, as they open your word this year, that you would allow them to read it in a fresh way. God, I pray that their eyes would be open like never before. Their ears would be open. God, I pray that the hunger and a thirst for your words would stir them so that they have to turn off Netflix so that they can get to this word, so that they get pushed to the line, not too far, Lord, but so that they have to go to your word to find the strength they need. And I pray for those who turn to you and turn to your word. God, I pray right now as people are 
are making a commitment in their heart to your words. I pray that you would meet them there. God, I pray that you would meet them in those places. I pray that you would speak to them about their destiny and their design, about their purpose. I pray that you would heal the wounds that have led them. I pray that you would counteract the lies that have been spoken into their heart and you would begin to establish, this is who you are. This is who I've called you to be. This is who I've made you to be. God, may they know, may they know those things because of your words. Just thank you, Lord. I just want to invite you to hang with me in prayer one more moment. Because there may be some of you who are in the room today, and if you're honest, you just, you're just far from God. And we get that. There's lots of reasons why that can happen, why there can be a disconnection. But I believe that God brought you here today because he wanted you to know he's not far from you and that he has words of life and of breath and of hope and of peace that he longs to speak into your life and if you've just never invited him to have that right as beautiful as Jesus said in his words if we want that kind of relationship with God, all it takes is one simple, profound yes to him. All it takes is a simple prayer. Heartfelt, something like this. And if that's you, just pray this with me right where you're at. I'm not gonna ask you to stand. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything, but just, just pray this in your own heart. Lord Jesus, I give you my life and I ask you to come in and fill me. Speak to me and lead me. I will let you be my leader and my Lord. Just a simple prayer like that. And like I said, I'm not going to call you to stand up. I'm not going to call you out in any way, but not for me, but for you. I do think it's important that you have a moment and a memory of a day you stuck a stake in the ground and said, I'm going to trust Jesus and his words. And if that's you today, I'm just going to ask, everyone's got their eyes closed, if, if you would, just to respect people's moments. But if you want to make that decision today, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you just raise your hand just for your own sake? Awesome. Beautiful. Awesome. I see you, man. I see you. Come on, new community, pray with me. God, we just pray for those who said yes to you today. God, we pray for them right now that you would come and bring assurance by your spirit and by your presence of your word and your promise. God, we invite you to come and fill their hearts. We invite you to come and fill their minds and to begin to allow your truth to, to be light to the darkness in their hearts and in their minds. God, I pray today, forever, today would be a day marked in their story when they experienced you like never before and it didn't stop happening, where that real relationship with you began and it continued. We pray that in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Jesus, that you do this. We thank you, Lord, that your word is trustworthy, that your word is faithful, that you do finish what you start. You do complete everything you begin, that God, you don't say something if you're not going to back it up. And we thank you that that's the kind of God we serve. We thank you that that's the kind of God we're standing on in these days. We thank you that that's the kind of God who was with us today and tomorrow and forever and ever more. 
Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.